Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Richie, hey, thanks for joining us on the show today. Dennis, awesome to be on. I'm looking forward to the chat. A very interesting topic in terms of leadership and what's happening I guess in, in, in world that's affecting everyone really around the stress and how to manage stress and dealing with your own emotions and the pressure that's applied to um, each individual and how they handle it. It's a, a very interesting topic, mate. Yeah, great. Thank you. Hey, I um, just want to sort of um, ask you, I mean, I've shared a little bit about your background, but, you know, what, what else can you share about your background? Just tell us more. Yeah, so through my years as a sporting person, it was a real drive and, and a determined focus for me uh, to become a professional league player or a rugby player or sports person. It was it was a real drive and a vision that I had. So, you know, after succeeding in that, that respect, it brought me great joy to know that I had a, a vision that was implemented along the way. It was actually quite structured, you know, and, and I didn't realize how structured and how I implemented my vision at a young age. It was quite interesting. You know, like knowing that I had to wrestle, had to go to the boxing, all those things that make up and make up a sporting person. But it wasn't really the end game that I was after, Dennis. It was more the journey along the way and what I learned along the way that was so important. And with all the learnings that I had as a player coming through about dealing with team adversity, personal competition, learning about how other people perceive their life and their social economic backgrounds, the ethnicity. So as sport, it really brings people together and it really gives you an idea and a, and a viewpoint of where they come from and how you need to integrate. And for the purpose of one, obviously winning games, but more importantly, how do you become a better person through it? Yeah, through wow. the whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I, I mean, this is the ground, the foundation of where I come from to where I'm leading now. You know, I've been through businesses, I've owned construction companies, I've been involved in seafood industries, I've worked as, you know, a labourer, I've been through uh, Sky Sports, commentator, mentor, life coach. The one that really gets me the most through all that is really serving, being a a serving leader in the community because I believe as a leader, particularly from a servant perspective, is that your leadership is just not in one place. It actually crosses all realms of, of life and community, home. And I believe being a servant leadership is extraordinary because you're shifting outside yourself and you're providing for others. So it's just such a great learning thing. And to be honest, mate, I've been through so many industries and I haven't really touched upon 
any organization that really has brought such joy and encouragement and purpose. I, I've got to say, I haven't really been in an organization like that yet. Sad. Wow. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, so Richie, when you talked about, because, you know, a lot of people see somebody on, on the field and they see that sporting star and they go like, wow. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it's not just an overnight success. It's it's many years. There's a whole lot of things that you go through to to be that person, become that person. And you're still developing even though you're out on that field and, and, and actually playing. So what was that journey like for you as you were going through it? And, and you know, share you know, if there's some things you want to share us about what you learned from that. Sure. I think for young kids now, I think if we're looking at people, or if we if we just cross the realm and if we're talking youth, if we're talking people that have got kids into sport or people that are in businesses, what have I learned? And it's such a good good question because I want to be I want to open the door for all people that are listening around what that actually means. And I think it's been really purposeful of what you actually want out of it. I've learned so many things along the way. What have I learned? Empathy is one of the the key things for me. Respect, self-respect and respect for others is critical in my belief. I've always been a believer that I've, it's never been so much about me. It's what the feeling I can get from doing things for other people. It, it gives me great joy that if I can make someone's day by just a little thing, it goes a long way for their day. Just for instance, going to a coffee place in the morning. When someone serves, serves a coffee, I'm going to say, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Now, that small gratitude goes a long way for that person's day. And that's why I talk about the, you know, about servant leadership. And we've, and I'm sure you've spoken and through your podcast throughout about commanding leadership, visionary leadership, democratic leadership. But for, for simple things in life, those are the things that really matter the most because I'm in charge of what I can do and make someone's day by the little things in life. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, I think a lot of people try and make it complicated, but I think if it's very simple stuff like that, that's where it has major impact for a lot of people. And, you know, we, with our words, our actions as leaders, uh, whether out there serving, whatever, it is powerful. Sometimes we, we don't actually realize how powerful it is. And I think for a sporting kind of person who's out there as a role model for a lot of kids, that is really, really important in what we're doing and what we're sharing. And I think, you know, the the, the three areas that you talked about was empathy, the self-respect and respect for others. And then the other one was, it's not about you. It's about mm-hmm. how you can help others and serve others. I think that sort of sums it up beautifully. Yeah, I think so. And I think if you're an influencer in your own life, then it's not, I think influencing one yourself, the way you communicate with yourself is so vitally important. I think, I think people are trying to be people that society wants them to be. Mm. So we're, we're looking at certain things now where I'm seeing it so often. Society's pushing people to, to be a CEO of a company and we're associating being a mother, and we've heard it all before, like a mother and a teacher. The two things that I think are the most important things at the moment, parents, I'll touch on that. Parents, teachers, and being a mother is so important. But how often do you hear people say in society, oh, what, what do you do as a living? I'm just a mother. So the language we're using is I'm just a mother. So how do you think that person experiences in her life and how she communicates to, you know, her siblings and the people around? And I just think it's appalling. And I think society is teaching us and associating certain things that is just 
uh, ridiculous. And I think we need to change that. And we, we can only change that by the way we verbiage things and we, we communicate with ourselves. So it's only the communication with ourselves that we understand true meaning of how self-respect and the value that you give yourself. That's leadership. That's influencing right there. Happy to share a little bit of my journey. So I'll go back to, to many years ago. So I graduated with a PhD in experimental psychology from the U- University of Toronto. So I guess part of my background is that I'm Canadian. So I'll put that on the table right up front. And what I was doing at that point, I was studying the human brain. I was studying the visual system. I was studying the memory system. I was studying different systems of the brain. So I was actually doing science. So I was working as a t- scientist, analyzing the, the brain, how it works, and then publishing in academic journals and lecturing. So that's that's sort of when I got exposed to these concepts of psychology, how the mind works, mindset, all of those kinds of things. So I would say that was an early exposure to that, but really on the, on the high technical side. So my colleagues were engineers, physicists. My first boss was a physicist who studied with Nobel laureates in physics. So I got kind of that leadership exposure, which was, which was really formative in the early days. So I went from that to actually joining the federal government and then started to manage research projects. And these started to take on larger and larger scopes. So going from being a scientist to managing research projects and being more of a manager of stakeholders and consultants who were doing the actual technical work, right? So I started to get to the managing of projects, the managing of budgets, influencing stakeholders to kind of support what we were doing. And then I went from that to managing a team of scientists. And so went from one federal department to another federal department. In this case, it was Environment Canada, where the team of scientists, so world-renowned specialists, all PhDs in their fields, studying climate change. And they were studying the impact of climate change on a particular ecosystem here in Canada. And that really exposed me to managing a team of leaders because these were leaders, very well-respected, very well-known. So I knew science, but I didn't understand ecosystem health, ecotoxicology, all of those kinds of things. But I was there more as, I would say, a coach to them than another technical expert. And during that time is when I went through my coaching certification because I felt the best leader that I could be for this for that team at the time was to be a coach. I said, I can't tell them what to do because they know their they know their science way more than I ever will. They're teaching me on climate change, but I can actually be a coach and help them grow and help them actually fill their full potential. So the scientists and then the technicians that reported into them. And then after spending a couple of, of really, really interesting and, and fun years with that team, I got loaned to the UN, the International Civil Aviation Organization, where I was an aviation security and safety consultant. And then I got exposed to the global perspective. So taking to account different realities, North America, Europe, Africa, Asia Pacific, and really learning how to be effective in a highly politicized organization. If you think about the UN, the World Health Organization, I feel for them because they're in a highly politicized context with lots of pressures coming from you know, member states, 
stakeholders, in their case, scientists, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's actually really complex. But again, it, it got me to, to learn about leadership at that global, global scale. And then after having spent about 10 years in the federal government and the, and the global, global agencies, I decided to move into leadership full time. So I switched careers. So I went from scientist to managing scientists to then working on working on leadership as a coach for a small regional organization. So I went from global to more regional, and that wasn't really a fit for me, and then joined another organization that had a larger scale, and then got back into a global role, I would say, about, about 10 years ago, where I get the chance now to be a coach full-time, coaching executive team, coaching leaders, different industries across the globe, and really sort of bringing my psychology background, my management leadership background when I manage teams and manage large-scale global projects, and actually working with clients and kind of using that and having it come through my coaching. So that's a little bit of my, of my journey, uh, Dennis. What a fascinating background. Wow. So you're working with a whole lot of scientists. With, with, so, you know, you're talking about working with the brain and understanding the brain and, and trying to get learning from that. But then also working with with a group of people who have got some super brains and out there as scientists as well. That, well, that must have been really fascinating. And then going from there into a leadership side of things as a leader of those scientists and then going into actually going to do some leadership things yourself. Uh, really amazing. And tell me something. When you talked about the global scale of leadership, when you look at leadership from region to region, country to country, does it differ? I mean, is leadership different in, an, in another region to to another one, or is it is it the same across the globe? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because there's a couple of things that I've come to learn about leadership. Is one is leaders if you talk about the, the human level, if you talk about the person, there's going to be a lot of similarities in leaders across the, gr- the globe, right? They'll be thinking about the same things. They'll be focused on about, you know, they'll be focused on their people. They'll be focused on the deliverables. They'll be focused on their clients or their, their key stakeholders. So they'll be thinking about the same things and they'll be focused on similar things and they'll kind of behave in similar ways. So that's sort of, sort of the common, the common field. Where it starts to get different, and and it's both at a regional level. So where am I, where am I actually implementing or executing my leadership? But really, it's at the organizational level that we see the biggest difference because leadership is context dependent. See, mm. we used to in the in the seventies and the eighties, we were looking for the profile of the strong leader. So once you know, this was when psychometric assessment tools were super popular and let's study hundreds of leaders and let's come up with the one profile that shows strong leadership it turned out that strong leadership had myriad profiles right there wasn't one profile it was a whole bunch of profiles but what happens is with whatever profile we happen to have so you will have your profile based on your history your style your education your experience I will have my profile based on on all those things. So we'll have very strong leadership, but here's the thing, that leadership will not be great in every context, mm-hmm. whether it's region, specifically organizations. It's really, that's where the differences come up. So then what we need to do, both as coaches and as leaders, is find, okay, where is the field of play 
where my leadership will really hit the sweet spot. And so really finding that match. At the same time, how do I evolve my leadership so that if I do change context, COVID being one example where all of our contexts have changed, how do I evolve my leadership over time so that it can now fit this different context, mm. right? So the context will be regionally different, but will be organizationally different, but will also be contextually different because now COVID is asking of all of us as leaders very different things than it did before. So how do we adjust and evolve as leadership as the context as you know, continuously changes. So that's both the challenge and the opportunity of both the coaching side. How do I help you know the leaders figure out what their sweet spot is and also figure out, well, how do I evolve it because the context is continuously changing and then doing that for myself as a leader saying, okay, well, what is my sweet spot now? What was my sweet spot five years ago? And how do I need to evolve my leadership so that it's gonna be continuously effective as the context changes. So it's it's a really sort of relatively complex question, but one which I think is at the heart of leadership. So there is not one leadership mm. profile that's going to work everywhere. We have to continuously adapt, whether we change organizations or regions or not, because guess what? The context is always changing. So... Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that is constant, right? Is change is changing all the time. And so we have to try and, and adapt. However, I, I like what you said too before about the fact that as humans, though, you know, going around the world, humans are humans. As leaders, we're humans. We like look after our people and so forth. Then we've got the layer of cultures. There's different cultures. Yeah. And then you've got, as you said, what you've just said around the context side of things and so forth. So there it is, can be very complex, as you said while also trying to meet demands, while trying to meet uh, yes. deadlines and things like that. And then for yes. a lot of leaders, if you're sitting here and listening to this, you'd be thinking, mm, why would you want to be a leader? <laughs> it's so <laughs> difficult, right? I mean, some people might think that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 